You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Fenizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. It was discovered that a stone of special form would be required to knit two walls together and fill a particular corner. The need suggested the forgotten and rejected bit of masonry, which was lying still where it had been discarded. That is the stone which the builders rejected, and that stone became the chief cornerstone. And so Jesus applies that imagery here to himself. Have you ever heard of a cornerstone? It's an important piece of architecture, one that holds a lot of weight. If the cornerstone were to be removed, the building resting on it would collapse. In the Bible, Jesus is compared to this stone. He is the cornerstone faith is built on, and Jesus never fails. He is the solid rock, the firm foundation, but he was rejected in his time on earth. Pastor Mike will explain this more today, reminding you that though the Word may reject Jesus, he is still faithful to you. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of Philippians chapter 4 with today's edition of In My Father's House. You know, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 11 puts it this way, or Paul puts it this way, I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. And so we need to assume that same position. Listen, don't be concerned with what other uh, people uh, have. And then lastly, Peter speaks of the destructive trait of, notice here, evil speaking. That phrase evil speaking can literally be translated all sorts of slander or common ordinary uh, gossip. Now, this is something that we need to be very careful about. Uh, How often we are tempted to do exactly that, say something unkind about another person, you know, painting them in the the darkest possible uh, view. And in doing so, in contrast, you know, it makes us to shine a little bit brighter. We shouldn't do that kind of a thing. But there's a temptation always with us to do exactly that. How we need to get control of our tongues. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 29. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Edification, to build up another person. So we need to use the words that we choose to build up other people. Listen, there are so many troublemakers in our world 
today, if we love Jesus, well, listen, just simply allow the Holy Spirit to place a guard over your mouth. Let us encourage with our speech rather than injure. Sow seeds of peace and blessing rather than division or discord. You know, there was this story of this little girl who once said to her mother, I was a peacemaker today, Mom. And the mother asked her if she had settled the quarrel for other people. Well, she replied, no, I knew something and I didn't tell it. Think about that, right? We could be a peacemaker by just simply not rehearsing the things that we've heard or we know about another person to injure them. Gang, we have considered five marks of immaturity that are listed for us here in this section of 1 Peter that shouldn't be discernible among mature Christians. So let me ask you this question. Does any of these traits characterize your life? Well, if so, get the victory in Christ immediately. And yes, you can do that. The book of Philippians in chapter 4 and verse 13, we're reminded there, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In other words, Christ will enable you to become this kind of a person that we've been talking about. But also another wonderful resource that God has made available to us. Notice the mention here of the word of God in verse 2. As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. So as we get into the Word, as we study the Word, as we meditate upon the Word, all of these right desires that we've been talking about will come. And it's through the Word of God that it will enable us to become the kinds of people that God wants us to become. That is, to go on to maturity. We're in 1 Peter chapter 2. The text that we're going to be treating is found in verses 4 through 6. 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 4. Coming to him... As to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is also contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him, will by no means be put to shame or dissatisfied. Okay, so Peter here, notice, uses this metaphor, lively stones or living stones, to describe some of the dominant characteristics of Christian living. And so anyway, chapter 2 is all about the Christian life, Christianity, and what it looks like. Now, this phrase, and this brings us to our first point, if you're taking notes, write this down. A living stone suggests certain things. Okay, so what are those things? Well, it suggests, first of all, life, living, and then stability, the strength of a stone, stability. So a living stone suggests life and stability. The idea here is that all who have received Jesus, who, by the way, is the embodiment of life and stability. So all who have received Jesus as their Lord and Savior are the possessors of his life with the accompanying stability that enables us to face all the uncertainties of life. And listen, what a blessing this is when you consider how rapidly ever-changing is the world in which we live. 
And life is filled with all kinds of curves. Sometimes our life's experience changes for the uh, worse. Our circumstances, our situations, our relationships. So what an encouraging word this is. As a cross-reference, in the 62nd Psalm, in verse 2, there we are told, He only is my rock and my salvation, and He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. Listen, gang, that is the believer's confidence. What? Who? Jesus Christ. So restless souls would find peace and security if they would just rest their troubled selves on the living stone who is Jesus Christ. But listen, unfortunately, in our day, as was the case during the days of Peter when he wrote this epistle, notice there in verse 4 we are told that Jesus was disallowed or rejected of men. And that becomes our second point, and that is disallowed of men, or rejected of men. In John's Gospel in chapter 1, for example, in verse 11, there we are told, he came unto his own, a reference to Israel, and yet his own received him uh, not. Remember Jesus shared this particular parable, it's recorded for us in Luke's Gospel in chapter 19 and verse uh, 14, and uh, referring to him, himself in the way that uh, he would be disallowed and rejected of men, there in that parable, he tells us that those who were to be his subjects refused and would not have this man, that is Jesus, to rule over them. And such is the case then, and such is the case now. But how foolish of men to reject the Son of God as Lord. I mean, why do humans choose to walk the uncertain path of shifting sands rather than to be established upon the solid rock who is Jesus. Let me give you a cross-reference. In 1 Corinthians, in chapter 3, in verse 11, there we are told by Paul, For any other foundation can no man lay than that is laid which is Jesus Christ. Gang, anything else is empty and ultimately leads to destruction. Now, Paul knew this. He expresses this truth in the book of Philippians in chapter 1, in verse 21, where there he proclaims, for to me to live is Christ. So what did he mean by that? Well, his life was all wrapped up in the person of Jesus Christ. You see, he knew that in Christ, his tomorrows would be sure, that his life was meaningful, that his life really counted for something. And I think of all of the accomplishments of Paul, you know, just giving himself to this principle, for me to live is Christ. All of his accomplishments, the impact that Paul uh, had upon the world, the entire world. And what was true of Paul can also be true of us, if we can make that same claim, for us to live is Christ. Now, although Jesus has been rejected, disallowed by many, this is no way nullifies the importance and nature of his mission. Go back to our text. Notice there in verse 4, as far as God the Father is concerned, relating to the Son, we are told he is chosen of God and precious. You know, this reminds me of another verse of Scripture. When Jesus, and by the way, this account is recorded first in Luke's Gospel, chapter 3, in verse uh, 22, when uh, Jesus was amongst those who were being baptized by John the Baptist, and after Jesus was placed into the water and he prayed, 
Then this voice came from heaven and declared, Thou art my beloved Son. This is the Father speaking. In thee I am well pleased. And so, yes, Jesus may have been rejected, but such an unreasonable attitude does not for a moment rob him of his authority. In Matthew's Gospel in chapter 21, there we are told, the stone which the builders rejected, uh, the same imagery that is being given to us here in this text of Scripture, the stone, the living stone, which the builders rejected, who is Jesus, has become the chief cornerstone. We're going to talk some more about that in just a moment. But listen, in the Father's sight, He is precious and is highly valued. And unbelief doesn't change our Lord's position as Savior. And listen, the same imagery is given to us throughout the Bible. Like, for example, in the book of Daniel, in chapter 2, in verse 34, where there we are told, the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, dreamt a dream. And in this dream, he saw this image. And all of the different parts of this image represents the world empires that would exist right from the very beginning of time up until the last days. And then all of a sudden, within this dream that Nebuchadnezzar dreamt and Daniel interpreted, we are told that there was this stone that was cut out without hands and it smote the image and the image crumbled. That is, all of these world empires crumbled under the weight of the person of Jesus Christ. So, those who would seek to condemn him, listen, the truth is, they themselves are condemned. John's Gospel in chapter 3, in verse 18, there we are told, He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already. Why? Because he has not believed on the name of the only begotten Son of God. Now, let's go back to our text. In verse 5, notice, Peter informs us that, and this becomes our third point, that we also are lively or living stones. Now, of course, this is not in the same sense that Jesus is a living stone. But notice there in verse 6, we are told he is the chief corner stone. Now, why was Jesus recommended to us in this way? Well, Jesus even refers to himself in this way. You see, there is this incident which is said to have occurred in the building of Solomon's temple. The stones were shaped at a distance from the sacred site where they were going to build the temple that no sound of chisel or stone saw might be heard during the building of God's house. Now, on one occasion, a stone was brought up from the quarries by straining oxen, which refused to fit into any of the rising walls. And so it was disposed of. It was placed by itself in a retired spot, and it was forgotten, perhaps even covered by a growth of weeds eventually. Now at last, as the temple neared its completion, it was discovered that a stone of special form would be required to knit two walls together and fill a particular corner. The need suggested the forgotten and rejected bit of masonry, which was lying still where it had been discarded. That is the stone which the builders rejected, and that stone became the chief cornerstone. And so Jesus applies that imagery here to himself. 
Okay, so that's the reason why and some background concerning Jesus being the chief cornerstone. Now, Peter, notice, let's go back to our text, says in verse 5, you also are living stones. Not the chief cornerstone, but you also are living stones. In other words, we have become an integral part of Christ's body. The living stones are built up a spiritual house. That is his church. Now, this is the same imagery that Paul uses when he wrote to the church at Ephesus in the book of Ephesians in chapter 2, verses 19 through 22. Why don't you turn there with me, but I'll read it for you. So Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 22. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers or foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fit together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. And so all true believers among all races from all over the world are these living stones that Peter recommends to us here in this text. God says in verse 5, notice that we are being built up unto a spiritual house. And also let me add that there is nothing that can hinder the building of this spiritual house that is his church. Remember on that one occasion, Jesus was speaking to his disciples. They were confused concerning Christ's identity. And so Jesus, in turn, addresses his disciples, and he says, Who do you say that I am? Well, Peter steps up, and he says, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus, in response to that statement that Peter made, said, Flesh and blood, Peter, has not revealed that to you, but rather my Father who is in heaven. And upon that rock, that statement that Peter had made, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, he goes on to declare concerning the church, these living stones, and upon this rock, the statement that Peter made, I will build my church, and then he goes on to declare, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And so anyway, every born-again believer is a part of this true church of God. Okay, now, there's something else that's very important here that I want to draw your attention to. What are we as members of the Lord's church to be doing as the building of God's spiritual house? Well, this brings us to our fourth point, and that is that we are, according to verse 5, we are to offer up spiritual sacrifices. And that begs the question, what are these spiritual sacrifices. What do they include? What do they look like? Well, I think that many people seem to be confused as to its meaning. Like, for example, some believers think that this has to do with prayer. But is prayer really a sacrifice? Do you recall any time in your Christian experience when you made any sacrifices in prayer? Haven't you always been the recipient of blessing rather than the giver? I mean, we're petitioning God to do something on our behalf. Then others believe that it is a reference to our 
the time that we spend in our Bibles. That is our Bible studies. But listen, he that goes to the Word to feed his soul does not make any sacrifices. In fact, he finds comfort, strength, and encouragement. So that can't be the possible explanation of what these spiritual sacrifices include. Also, others believe that it's going to church. That's frequently thought of as a spiritual sacrifice. And yes, you know, all of these things involve time and a commitment on our part, but I don't think that that's what Jesus was referring to or Peter is referring to here in this text. I mean, coming to a place to meet God, to receive of God, you know, like, for example, in, in the service this evening or on a Sunday morning, you know, as God opens up the Word to us by His Spirit, the great teacher, and we're receiving the exhortations and the counsel of God's Word. We're receiving of God. I don't think that that's a sacrifice at all. In fact, it's a privilege, not a sacrifice. Okay, so then what is Peter referring to here in this text? Well, I believe it is those things that we do directly or indirectly that affect worldwide evangelism. And listen, every one of us can participate in this occupation. Listen, even if you're a brand new Christian, even if you feel as if you don't have the ability to articulate God's word, well, you might not be seasoned enough. You might feel as if you're not seasoned enough. Well, you can encourage and support those who are involved in that operation, in that ministry, missionaries, pastors, evangelists, so that this spiritual house may be built up and completed at the eventual coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Remember the Great Commission, and he laid that upon all believers, that responsibility to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, Mark's Gospel in chapter 16 and verse 15. So then there lies this question, how many of us are sacrificing our time, our money, and talents to reach the loss with the gospel. That's a significant question that must be answered. Listen, gang, the responsibility of evangelism has not been committed to missionaries alone, pastors alone, evangelists alone. Notice there we are told we are a holy priesthood, whether you're a brand new Christian or the pastor of a church, according to verse 5. And so what do we need to do? We'll simply ask God to open our eyes, to direct us to others, to make that investment, to open up our hearts, that this world might hear the truth of our wonderful Lord who lives, who loves, and who longs to save all. And so, are we doing everything that we could possibly do, those things that God wants us to do, offering up these spiritual sacrifices? May God help us to do exactly that. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be. Oh, my That's all we have time for on today's edition of In My Father's House. Thanks for joining us. Did you know that you can listen to Pastor Mike's teachings on your favorite podcast app? Just search for In My Father's House with Mike Venizio. Be sure to subscribe and let us know you're a listener in the comments. 
We love seeing how God is using His Word in incredibly powerful ways. If you don't yet have a church to call home, we'd love for you to join us for worship this Sunday at Harvest Christian Fellowship. You can find all the information you need at harvestnyc.org. While you're there, you can reserve your seat by clicking on Contact and then the Register link. We're located in Midtown Manhattan, and there's easy access from Port Authority on 42nd and Penn Station on 34th. If you're not in the area, or if you're unable to attend in person, we'd still like to have you be a part of our time studying God's Word. We're live streaming our services each week, and you can connect on our website. Again, that's harvestnyc.org. If you'd like to hear today's message again or to catch previous Sunday messages, click on the Resources tab. You can also watch services through our Vimeo link or connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. Links to all of these are available at our website. One more time, that's harvestnyc.org. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to remind you just how much your Heavenly Father loves you. We also want you to know how grateful we are to have you as a part of our listening audience. Thanks again for joining us. We look forward to learning more from 1 Peter next time on In My Father's House. Where I long to be, oh my heart, not be troubled. I remember what you said.